0: Hello Builders, welcome to the Builders Club Startup Founders podcast, a podcast for founders to upskill themselves and understand the founder mindset. Every week, we sit with the best minds in the startup ecosystem and understand what it takes to start, run and scale businesses. This podcast is from one of our recordings of our Water Cooler Conversations, a weekly community AMA where we get established entrepreneurs to discuss their strategies and their mindset in front of our community members. So sit back, relax, and let's start with the episode. Uh, so hey guys, how are you doing? Uh, welcome to another edition of the Water Cooler Conversations. Today we have somebody very special uh, who has joined us to take us through their own journey as an entrepreneur mr taran chhabra uh, mr taran chhabra he is the founder of uh, Neiman shoes uh, he is uh, business worlds 40 under 40 and i think he is one of the very few guys who has dipped his feet in an industry which is very oligopolistic in nature there are very established folks who have been there and they are now disrupting the shoe uh ecosystem the the footwear industry so to speak with their own concept of sustainable and uh, natural shoes in general welcome taran welcome to the builders club how's it going
1: good so thank you so much for having me appreciate it
0: taran we i myself have been you know in fact wanted to I had a, I had so many I have so many questions uh for you because I think I we have been following the journey of, um, of of Neiman Shoes for some time now and I think there's a quite a reputation about the different collections that Neiman Shoes keeps coming out with and I would love to know a little bit more about how exactly do you do that but before that Taran for all the folks who are listening in uh, would want to know a little bit about your journey in itself you know I guess you know you yourself have had around six to seven years of experience before you started Neiman Shoes and now it's been uh, five years that you have been building uh, building, the, building the brand in itself. So how's your journey been? You know, where exactly? A little bit about your early life. Where did you study? What were your first job? What were the learnings and what actually instigated you to start Neiman Shoes in itself?
1: Absolutely. So Swahil, I graduated in the year 2005. Um, I'm an engineer by background. Started working in Satyam. It was Satyam before it now became Tech Mahindra. I worked there for about two years, right? As a fresh software grad, in most of the projects you're either put into night shifts or put into projects that aren't exciting, right? I worked there for about two years, didn't like what I was doing, not learning enough. I quit my job, went to the US, did my master's in computer science. And I worked in the US for about a decade. And my core background over the years has been data strategy, data technology, Coupling high growth businesses and taking the right strategical moves um, to grow the business in the right direction. Right, that's what I had done in the US for about a decade. Now the idea for Neiman spung in the year two thousand and sixteen. Right, um, I'm somebody who pays a lot of attention to detail, and over the years I had accumulated and bought over three hundred pairs of sneakers. Wow. If I remember right, my entire basement in, in New Jersey was full of shoes right? and this purchase behavior was not because I'm a sneakerhead. No, I'm not. I don't like to collect brands. I was just frustrated by buying a lot of shoes and not finding the right pair of footwear. If you look at the traditional shoe business, right? Now let's look at a formal shoe. One, it's made with leather. Second, it's so rigid that it compresses the movement of your foot, right? now, this is our foot. Now what a traditional leather shoe does is it's so hard, it kind of restricts your movement. So your feet, instead of being the way they are, they're crumbled, they're crushed. You can't wear this shoe for more than a couple of hours right, without taking them off, and this behavior kind of meant I was buying more and more pairs of shoes. Now, if you look at a traditional leather, a running shoe for them, looking, right? it's so bulky, it's so flashy that you can't wear it in formal occasions. So travel experience back in 2016, left me wondering if I have, you know, so many complaints, if I have so much a problem with the space, why don't I do anything about the space? That's when I reached out to my co-founder, who's my elder brother, right? I pitched him about the core problem statement. I walked him through about uh, how great the Indian market is and how untapped, how unpenetrated it is in terms of innovation, and how we could create a fabulous product, a fabulous brand, if our product is, is reaching the right TG. That's when we told ourselves that uh, we're not going to hire high-profile consultants. Not let them dictate us how shoes are made. Now, we knew a lot about footwear from a traditional point of view, from a consumer point of view. I know the right shape, the right architecture, when it paints around my hill area, why it should not, what should be the right archetype. What I didn't know is material sourcing, design, manufacturing. So I traveled to different footwear hubs around the world. spent a lot of time in China, a lot of time in Hong Kong, in South Korea, Turkey, India. The time difference helped. I was still working in the US. That helped me pay for my travel, of course, bootstrap along the years. And I used to uh, stay in the factory. And that's when I realized the entire manufacturing chain. And everything that goes in a traditional shoe is made with synthetics chemically sourced, artificially made, lot of carbon dioxide emitted, lot of water being used, cheaply sourced, massly produced, using a lot of animal skin. Very, very great for for our skin as well, right? No, sorry, very, very bad for our skin. So I said, there's gotta be a better way to do this, right? Why can't we leverage materials that are already available within the ecosystem? And create exceptionally comfortable footwear. So that's where the idea started in 2016. Took us about two years to create the product, supply chain, materials, and we launched it on December 26, 2018, to be precise. So we've been around three and a half years now.
2: Interesting.
0: So, so uh, Taran, you spoke about. So one is, of course, you know, having the vision. And then second is you never had any experience in manufacturing. You you None? didn't have...
1: I've never made a shoe in my life. I've never sold a product in my life. Wow. I've never built a consumer brand in my life. Never done marketing. Uh, never spent um, money on selling any product till date before new means, right? So everything came after the idea came into being
0: and and your your brother is your co-founder that's right so it's kind of a family business now in a way
1: and also family businesses uh, aren't meant for scale right uh, when we were looking at solving a problem from day one the question that we asked ourselves is is this going to be a large enough business is this going to be a business that we could take ipo is this going to be a business that will be that solves 100 crore people's problem statement and the answer was yes
0: so you always had that vision in mind when you started off. You always
1: if I was leaving my job, if I was moving away from a life that I'd built for a decade, it had to be big enough, it had to be large enough. It had to be a business that I'll see running for the next several decades, right? It if if I wouldn't have believed that this business would be large enough, I wouldn't have dived in.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you so a little bit about the initial research phase and then we'll probably delve into your observations of the industry in itself um because you know of course you don't see there aren't there aren't local players in in a in a in an industry like a shoe industry there are there are players there are older players and the the industry itself is dominated by i guess globally there would be how many 200 250 brands not more than that in terms of the shoe or are there are there more than that
1: more than that right there's several going to be several large brands there's several mom and pop brands there's several brands who you know just buy products and call themselves brands so i'm sure the number is much much large enough but how many of these people will actually be brands is is something that we have to look up to no so
0: so the, the question what i'm trying to understand is that how do you look at the market now so you you went through the whole research phase in terms of you you spent around one and a half, two years just visiting different factories and seeing the processes? Or were you also studying the overall ecosystem at that point in time? And according to you, now that you have spent this much time in the ecosystem, do you see this as a market which has a high bar- barrier to entries just because it's a, it requires manufacturing supply chain, or do you do you look at it as any D2C brand which if you have uh, if you have the sourcing sorted? Then I think you can build build a brand of your own.
1: So footwear in general is a very very tough nut to crack. Mm. It isn't an easy business. Hence, if you have seen, uh, you know, for lack of a better example, if you see uh, a healthcare or let's imagine a wellness brand, right? You see a new wellness brand starting up every day. Mm. That's because manufacturing sourcing is is largely. Already organized. There are a few players who do who know the research, who know well. You know they are going to help you launch your initial set of products in India, right? And a lot of a lot of brands leverage them and get started. So getting started in these cases is much easier. But in the case of a footwear brand, right, or in the case of footwear, getting started and building everything is a very very difficult journey. One because footwear in itself requires massive amount of experience, right? Because the number of players that will be required to build a shoe is massive, right? Sole requires a different manufacturer, insole requires a different manufacturer, upper, packaging, lace, every product. Our shoe travels to what about seven to ten different factories before actually being made, right? So building a product, which is good which is unique is extremely difficult if you're buying from china and just selling it off then you're not a brand right you're a commodity and and um, so creating a product in itself is extremely difficult hence in india you see either massively west scaled western brands
3: Mm.
1: or indian brands which started say about 40 to 60 years ago are only able to scale. otherwise, you don't see a lot of people survive in this industry. yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: what we looked at back in the day was you know, now like I said, me and Amar uh, did not have any practical experience in building the show. Mm. but I think that's what differentiates us from the crowd, right? That's where we looked at not the the product that we wanted to build, but the problem statement we wanted to solve and how big the problem statement could be. And then we started imagining how our consumers' lives will change because of that product. Mm.
3: That's
1: when the first thing that we wanted to crack was product. And to answer your question, it was just not one approach. right? We spent two years in creating the product and then thought about selling it. Mm. It it all happened at once. right? Uh, Now, Mm. being in the global markets, I could have picked any country in the world to launch. I could have launched it in the US, I could have gone to Europe, I could have gone to to Germany to to bring this thing up. But the reason I picked India is because India as a market
3: Mm. is largely unorganized, operates with a lot of unbranded products.
1: Massive scale has been brought in by Indian brands only by crushing prices. Mm. Western brands are still doing well at prices up 4,000, 5,000 with good scale, right? There are brands who are doing 1,600 to 2,000 cores in India. Mm. So it meant that there is enough penetration. There's enough depth in the market. Mm. So the question that we had to answer is, can we build it?
0: And and once you started building, were were there any shocks in the way? that you you had imagined things to be x and then what were the kind of challenges the initial time, initial days if if there were if you remember any
1: uh, cool, right i think uh, every you when know, you know when you've not built a product when you've not explored uh, this territory when you're going down the unknown every day was a challenge right uh, i remember creating 400 prototypes with different materials Before finding one material, one product that was actually good enough.
3: Mm.
1: When we found out this product, we felt this is this is truly amazing. Then we created hundred odd samples before finding the actual set of products that we wanted to launch. So every prototype felt like a dead end, right? What are we doing here, right? Are we even spending time in the right direction? Are we going to create a product that we love? Are we going to find the right material? Is this product going to be durable for different weather conditions? Right, India is a very diverse market. We not only speak different languages, we not only eat different food, but the weather is so different. You travel 40 kilometers, you'll see the weather changing. Look at the weather in Bangalore versus where we are in Hyderabad right? versus Delhi. Such diverse people, such diverse weather. And plus, the habits in India are very different to the US. Right here, you buy a product; you want it to be ultra durable. You want it to last for multiple, multiple years. So, our bars for quality were were very, very high. And um, so, several challenges along the way. Right, I think building a product in itself was 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 a fabulous journey. And we've kept on improving. It's not that we cracked the product one. Right, I think we keep improving with every manufacturing round this, some tweak that we are making. Yeah. And uh, we keep iterating, we keep building on it uh, with every few months. Right?
0: So Taran, uh, one is, of course, you had the vision. You said that, hey, I'm going to build something which is going to be massive. This is the industry that I'm going to get into. You studied the industry. You figured out the manufacturing. You spent a lot of time manufacturing it. Then you come to India and then you basically start to sell it. Now, here comes the question about the go-to-market aspect of things. One is go-to-market and second is pricing. Because I think pricing also is something which kind of defines your positioning in itself. And uh, and, and, and your initial times of the overall, I think the go-to-market itself has also evolved for you guys. Uh, And along with it, probably the product lines as well. So would probably want to understand number one, probably a little bit about the positioning and the pricing. And second, uh, you know, the go-to-market in general. What were the thoughts initially and how has it evolved with time for you?
1: So let's start with go-to-market first. Now the product was unique. The thought process was unique.
3: The idea was unique. So we started wondering what's the best way to leverage and sell. We have three options. Traditionally, footwear in India has been sold
1: via wholesalers, distributors, hiring again master retailers, master distributors. We said we are creating a very different product. We don't, we're not even a brand, right? Nobody knows about what we are doing. Why are people, why is a distributor going to buy a product? And how is he going to sell it? This is not a commodity product neither is this
3: selling at 400 to 600 rupees that he can achieve scale so this wasn't an idea that was exciting both of us second was we had very little money Mm -hmm. all the
1: money that we had we said we could open a couple of stores maximum three to four
3: stores we'd even given deposits for one store if i remember right And the question that we started asking ourselves is if we put all the money on stores,
1: will this become a very, very large brand? Mm. How many people can we drive on a day-to-day basis? 300, 400? How many people will convert? What do they know about the product? This was the time Jio had just launched in India, right? I still remember when I used to come to the UF from US to India in 2014, 2016, Right? It almost used to bring me into tears how much money I was paying for data back then. But in 2017, Jio had launched, data rates had plummeted, everybody had internet for free. And India had more people surfing the web than any part of the world. There was no term like D2C back then, right? We said we'll sell it to the consumer. We started doing our marketing in LinkedIn, Twitter. We did a very nice campaign on Twitter. Got a lot of blashing from several people on selling at, the, at these price points, right? The critics of the world. A lot of startup founders started buying us. We used Facebook, Instagram, any channel possible that allowed us to market, we started leveraging it. So the market strategy was very clear, right? Uh, content first. Why the product is different? Why the product is better?
3: Why should people care about news? And that's the overall approach. The second was pricing. right? Now we are bootstrapped. We had to make certain margins. We had launched a very, very premium product with a very luxurious feel. right? We priced it around 6,500, which is high.
1: But we had to price it there to make enough margins so that we can reorder again. We knew we'll not be able to raise money without a PMF. We made only one pitch. We quickly realized that uh, this is in Silicon Valley. People are not going to give me money with fancy pitch decks. So we didn't bother talking to a lot of investors. Uh, We priced it at 6,500, started selling, started getting a lot of orders, started seeing repeats coming in within first three, four months then reduce the pricing by 20% to see how would it
2: respond interesting
1: and start getting more orders right then we raised our first seed round
3: we brought the manufacturing to india increased our margins and reduced the pricing further so the idea is to be competitive the idea is to price ourselves
1: with uh, the brands that the consumers are most likely going to compare us with, don't make the consumers pay a premium because they're choosing sustainability. That was in our head right from day one. Like I said, we're not building a niche brand. We're not building a brand that has a threshold or a ceiling. It has to be affordable by the larger part of India to make payments into a larger entity. Hence, we started with a six grand product, launched a three grand product, launched a flip flop, launched a slide. And we've had our product launches very well-placed with different materials, with different price points to garner attention all along
3: the way.
0: Interesting. So, um, <laughs> I think one, one of the, um, one of the things which I wanted to understand was around the positioning of sustainability, and and going natural was it a conscious choice? What was it a part of the vision statement right from the beginning, or was it was it something which kind of you people kind of figured out that this is this is a uh, this is just uh, sorry yeah. So uh, as I was saying, uh, was was this whole was the sustainability and and going natural uh, a part? Of the positioning that was a part of the plan right from day one, or was it something which you guys figured out along the way?
1: It was right from day one. The moment we learned about the materials that got into producing any other footwear, we created a mission statement that this is going to be the most comfortable product and made with the best possible natural, sustainable, recycled materials that are available within the ecosystem. In every product that we have launched thus far, we are the first.
3: Mm.
1: India's first ever merino wool shoe. India's first ever slipper made with recycled tires. India's first ever sneaker made with recycled plastic bottles. India's first ever sneaker made with sustainably grown trees. Every product of ours is India's first. Not trying to create a brand which creates India's first, but definitely trying to create an ecosystem where people will adopt, materials that are great for for us and also for the ecosystem right and that this has had an impact on how western brands look at india there have been several western brands who have seen us scale massively within a very short period of time and looked at launching more sustainable products in india which was not the case 3 years ago several uh, you know legacy brands which never used to speak about sustainability Suddenly started releasing sustainable products before going public saying, hey, we are now sustainable. So, this is because what we've done, right? We've created a massive recognition, a massive community, a massive thought process change where people have now started adopting
3: products which are, you know, unmeaningful consumption
0: so actually Tara, it's a very interesting thing i think um one the kind of product lines that you have itself are a, are a story of its own you know they are they become the talking points the moment they are launched and second is your overall positioning has always been you you people have always said that you people have wanted to create the most comfortable shoe that a person wears right right so so that so is whenever you people so and you have had some amazing innovative product lines that you have had and i have had friends who are fans of of your brands as well um what is so whenever you know these these the kind of ideas that you're talking about those are not run-of-the-mill ideas right those are those are ideas which would definitely have some kind of a spin either either from the marketing team i mean who comes up with these kind of ideas you know of course there are ways of making making uh making comfortable shoes but using these kind of uh, materials or what's what's the spin i mean how exactly do people figure out what they bar?
1: right so one is a problem statement right uh, even within products where we say we are going to be launching comfortable footwear there is a core target audience that we are imagining within our minds right along with design along with the material that we are going to go after Now, wool is a very luxurious material, has great fit,
3: feels great in summer and in winter, but is restricted by the price point, it's an expensive material. Then we looked at cotton, which we already know is, you know, we've been using it in
1: apparel for what generations now. We said, how could we use organic cotton or recycled cotton and yet create a very, very comfortable shoe? So that emerged from what people were buying around right? and what people were used to. Then we found plastic as a massive problem. Now, as a small brand, you can't stop the consumption of plastic. Neither can you stop the production of plastic. So we thought, what if we leverage this plastic? It's already created within the environment. It's polluting the waters. It's polluting
3: everything around us. What if we can consume these plastics and give them a new life? We launched one of our best selling products called it. We live because we are giving something a new birth, best selling product of the year, Wow! right? So while the concept in itself was innovating, but we
1: said, what is the consumer going to talk about when he talks about it to his friends and family?
3: First, you need to say, I need to, I just love how these shoes affect me. Sorry, Theron, you,
0: you've got up muted.
3: The first thing,
1: what we thought about every material that we're going after is, is the consumer going to say, these are the most comfortable shoes that I'll ever wear, right? Are they going to be durable? Are they going to have the flexibility? Are they easy to clean? In the process, we introduced India's first ever sock-free. Wow. You don't need a sock. People couldn't, this wasn't a problem statement at all, right? People were complaining, shoes were smelling. People were complaining socks need to be washed. But did everybody, anybody think that a shoe can be worn without a sock? Nobody. We thought to ourselves, what it, if we could make this, right? And in the process we've made, our shoes can be worn without a sock. They don't smell. The sweat evaporates right? So I think this is uh, a lot of problem statements are told. There's some that are not told. Mm. So we have a research team that
3: Ah. to
1: consumers, looks at reviews all over the world, right? What people are talking, what are they saying? What is the problem statement of a different persona, different PG, right? How much would he sell? How much would he, uh, you know, value this problem statement? What would be the price of this product? if this was sold, a bunch of these things go in, right? There's a separate product development team that that today looks at this, at every product launch. Every product mm-hmm. launch for at least 16 to 18 months.
0: Mm-hmm. No, so that, that was exactly my, ne- that was suppo- going to be my next question that, uh, I guess, you know, the question would always be whether the consumer would actually buy this or not. Of course, the idea is innovative, so how exactly? But I think you've answered that question. Uh, I have one more question, and guys, in case you people want to jump in with a question or two, uh, just raise your hand. We'll just pull you in for 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 a question. We'll probably take two or three questions. Um, but Taran, uh, we'll go a little bit into the ecosystem in general uh, a little bit more, talking about the global brands which are out there. Um, and I think uh, not just the global, so you have studied the whole, of course, you are you are a part of the shoe of the footwear industry. Um, in India, I think we have only been exposed to the bigger brands and then the old school brands, the Lakhani's and the Actions and all of those and Bata probably mm-hmm. uh, and Sri Leathers probably. But in general, if you look at the shoe ecosystem, if I today want to start a shoe brand, a footwear brand, let's say. Uh, how should that journey look like? So when I when I say, I mean, I probably would wanna want inputs from you in the kind of need gaps that you see in the ecosystem. How exactly, if anybody, and it need not be just a footwear brand. Probably, if anybody can even fit themselves somewhere in the supply chain in general where you see a need gap right now. Are there any which you have identified till now?
3: Now, uh, firstly, let's look at uh, the entire space, right? And this is a pitch to anybody we hire today, right? The first question that we ask anybody and the question that I'd asked Amal back in the day is, is there any Indian brand that you would wish to buy Or that you would aspire to buy. Or that you would talk about to your friends that you own this Indian brand. Mm.
1: Whenever I've asked this question, I've had dead silence for about 60 seconds.
3: Some people, after 60 seconds, used to talk about Bata, which is not an Indian brand. But even if you buy from them, you're not going to talk about it. So that's what we wanted to solve for. Apart from a great
1: product, very, very innovative manufacturing. We wanted to build a brand that people would love to buy, try, and then talk about. Talk about. Now, in the case of how to get started, right? It, I think in any product that you're building,
3: let's talk about products, right? Because what I've we learned is how to build problems is is about starting with a problem statement right and we got to identify how deep is that problem statement how many people face and battle this problem statement on a regular basis and if you solve for this problem statement is this problem statement deep enough to be made a business, right? Mm. And if you solve for this problem statement, do you have multiple problem statements to go after this? Or this problem statement alone can build a million dollar business? Right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we asked ourselves back in the day. Right?
1: Then you talk to yourself in trying to realize where your strengths are and where your co-founder's strengths are or where your team's strengths are how would you sell how would you position how would you manufacture so on and so forth right and that's how we've uh, you know unraveled over the years right and there's a massive massive opportunity
3: lying in front of us we are just getting started and and a lot of things to do
0: yeah i absolutely agree I have a few more questions, but before that, anybody of you who wants to ask a question, just unmute. I'll I'll pull you in. Anybody who is asking a question needs to switch on the video. So that's that's one caveat which we always have. Hey Jay, you wanna you wanna go? Just unmute yourself. I'll pull you in. Hello. Hi
2: Tarun. How are you? I'm good. Um, give,
0: give a one-line intro of yourself before and then you can ask your question.
2: Absolutely. So I am trying to start off in the traditional foods business. I don't want to call it organic. I want to go back to our roots and I'm bringing those foods which we were supposed to eat the way they were supposed to be eaten and not being processed as we get. Uh, that's something in short um, earlier i used to be in banks and i did a lot of random stuff here and there i saw your profile uh, very interestingly you have a lot of data analytics uh, understanding and uh, software as well uh, one thing which is very curious and i've always looked out for folks who uh, so hail gets on this platform um, how did that play a part in your selecting uh, the problem statement and solving for it because software and data analytics is like way different from anything related to shows so how did you come up and select this particular problem
1: so so uh, frankly this wasn't planned right in in my case so i i didn't figure out the market first i didn't figure out the competition first and then say okay i'll build this now it started with my own problem statement right i was facing it for a longer period in time and one travel experience right uh, kind of left me wondering what can i do about this right is it, is this going to be a large enough problem so i started conducting a lot of user interviews i spoke to a lot of people who i used to work with in the us a lot of friends in the U.S., spoke to a lot of people in India, diverse age groups. I started finding out how many pairs of
3: shoes do they own. Why do they buy more than one pair, right? I heard problem statements like, I need a running shoe, I need a walking
1: shoe, I need a CrossFit shoe, I need a formal shoe, I'm going for a wedding, I need a shoe. But the answer that I kept hearing on was I want a
3: comfortable pair. And the motivation for a comfortable pair within a casual segment was extremely high. And that's when I realized that what if I I can do this? It it just started with several ifs, right? And then it started by looking deep into the market. Who Who does what? And India was a India has been a fascinating story, right? Second largest
1: manufacturing hub of the world, second largest footwear consumer in the world. But the revenue that's made from India is not a lot when you look at the global arena.
3: So massive, massive opportunity on the table. And then one thing led to the other,
1: travel, exploration, materials. So frankly, nothing was planned. Nothing was thought. When I figured all of this out, uh,
3: I said I got to you know quit my job at some point in time. I can't sail in two boats, and uh, I've not looked back since I've launched. The day I launched Neemans was the day I I quit my job in the US. I hope that was
0: that was something to. Uh, Jay, hopefully that answers your question. I think, you know, data analytics becomes second nature. The moment you start looking deep into the industry, you start calculating the numbers, whether this is actually big enough a market for me to get into. But yeah, hopefully, Jay, that uh, that kind of answers your question. anybody else has a question? Manu, you were thinking of coming on board. Uh okay. no, no, no question. Thanks. Okay. No issues. I'll I'll ask a question and then probably anybody else, uh, you can just raise your hand. I'll I'll pull you guys in. Taran, uh a lot of founders are in a hurry. Okay. They have an idea, they uh they don't spend enough time doing research, and even if they do uh and launch a product, they are in a hurry to make the make it succeed. Uh, what are your thoughts in in the pace at which a founder should approach a business?
1: let just say really, the first thing that I'll, an- I'll like to answer is there's no playbook for entrepreneurship, right? There's no playbook for for product launch. There's no playbook for growing and building businesses, right? Now what we've seen is every story is up for disruption. Who would have thought you know, three years ago that a brand will start in the baby care space and evolve and become this large, now selling multiple brands, doing upwards of 1,000, 1,500 crores, like, like Mama Earth. It was not possible in any investor's playbook back in the day, but brilliant execution, Great expansion, very well led thought process has given it the scale it is. So today, I feel it's possible, uh, but it completely depends upon you know the products you're launching, the area that you're going after, the consumers you're selling, right? And how you want to build your business.
3: This is this is the question that's very personal to a founder. But what I truly believe is brands are not built in years. Brands are built over decades. You know, brands are
1: like kids. Imagine you can't give them you know, steroids and say Ab jaldi se You can't do that, right? right? They have their own course of learning, right? And you will have your own course of launching products. There'll be some great ones, there'll be not so great ones, there'll be some that will tank. And you'll discontinue, right? So you'll have your learnings all along the way. Raise as much VC money as possible, but you can't grow beyond a certain point, especially in the case of products, right? So in in my head, uh, you know, this is it's very very personal. Depends upon the team. Depends upon the kind of resources you have. Depends upon the industry that you're going after. Right? Mm. Today, with the kind of resources that are available, you could shorten where traditional brands would have taken 50 years to achieve them in 10 years. That's what I believe. And that's where I'm going after. If anybody would have achieved that scale in 50 years, I'm going to do that in 10 years.
0: But but how do you look at competition, Taran? As in the relative pace at which you're growing and your competitors are outpacing you, do you do you really think? So there are two schools of thought here. Some say that you should run to the base of your own drama. Some say that you should always be the first. What, what What's your thought take on that?
1: This industry is big enough. You're never going to be the only player there. You are going to have people come after you. Right? And competition is good, right? Healthy competition gives you, uh, you know, something to look up to, right? But frankly, we've not looked at competition till date. Now, we've gone after an industry which was 75% unorganized in India. Yeah. Right? Western brands are doing upwards of 1,500 crores. But massive scale in our space does take time. Cracking the right product is extremely important with the right distribution. With the
3: right pricing is the need of the hour, right? People don't buy shoes every day. This is not an FMCG category, mm-hmm. right? So, even if competition is there, right, you focus on what your strength is.
1: Now, look at Nike Adidas story. When Nike had started, Adidas was very,
3: very well established back in the day. Today, Nike surpassed Adidas in a massive way. So, anything is possible. Right, you got to give it its due course. Spend
1: that amount of time in the industry, build that community, build a great set of products,
3: and and then things will fall in place.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one more, but I'll let Kamal. Kamal, you wanted to ask. You want to go on? You have to switch on your video.
3: Yeah yeah without,
0: without a video i'm not letting anybody in this time around okay um yeah i have a question for help. wait we'll we'll probably take you in a little bit later yeah come on you are completely dark where's kamal i can't
1: even see him okay
0: yes he's here
4: hello hmm. yeah. yeah so Please. first of all uh, it's kind of your brand, like I also own a three sneaker myself. Okay, so it's definitely one of the best shoes I own in my collection of wardrobe. Okay, so there are two, two questions that I want to ask. So first thing is like, uh, as you were telling, like you know, you have already uh, like you know look on to the this brand as you know a global or a IPO brand. So how how are you guys planning to expand it to the international markets? Okay, like you know, as an IPO brand, you obviously will look for like you know. Expanding it to international markets as well, like US and UK, where the market is already pretty much crowded. Whereas in India, the competition might not be that much good. But in USA and UK, there's already already a pre-built ecosystem And the second thing, I wanted to ask, like, you know, uh, you guys have already uh, always been based out of Hyderabad. Okay, I, I also come from Hyderabad. I want to understand why you you guys didn't shift to Bangalore to like, you know, set up the whole ecosystem there. And you know, how did H- Hyderabad ecosystem help you set up payments at this
3: right so i'll take up the first question right uh, now uh, in terms of we uh, don't want to get ahead of yourself right? now we know
1: what the how we want to build this brand right we know we have a goal in mind and i'm not looking at ipo today right? we're not there yet right? that's a goal that we have in
3: mind whether we hit it in three years, five years, six years, time would tell. But there's no doubt in our our head
1: that our product is designed for the world. It doesn't have anything that is just Indian. Anybody in
3: any part of the world would love to own it and buy it. We are looking at testing out a few international markets Sometime this year, so it'll start with
1: a few PMFs in multiple countries. If that does well, then we start looking at building scale in that in that market like. because even though we have been in India for a
3: while, in any other country, we are going to start fresh. It's going to require the same amount of effort That's number one. Number two is, I've been in Hyderabad for the longest, right?
1: And uh, when I was moving back from the US, my family is based in Hyderabad, and I love the city. Right, being away for from Hyderabad for a decade, I wanted to come back home, and uh, found Hyderabad extremely welcoming. Right, there are a lot of initiatives here in Hyderabad which truly support startups. I love the initiative which is T Hub, right. Now, it's predominantly done for technology startups. So there was not a lot for us back in the day. But a lot of people to speak to. The entrepreneurship community
3: here is fabulous, right? So the overall ecosystem that I found in either was very welcoming. And I'm
1: not one among them who enjoys very, very crowded uh, places, right? Uh, Per se, what I mean by that is, I feel there's way really a lot of competition in terms of resources in Bangalore, so the world and in Gurgaon so the world, right? And I, I wanted to so stay away from it.
3: So mm-hmm. hydro uh, dwelled into it, and and uh, was one of the reasons why we picked hydro. Thank, thank you. The
0: peace of mind, you know, to to build. Something is there, right?
1: It was a long right. time, right? And and uh, people who've been with us have been with us for the longest. So it yeah. helps you believe in your vision and, and see it like you do, right? And Hyderabad has been very good for us.
0: And I absolutely agree. Ar. I think uh, wherever you get that kind of support where you can be in your zone and build without really getting worried about what's happening around you, that's the best place that's the best place to start to to you know build uh we have one more question uh taran you said you had to leave at 8 50 do we have 5 10 minutes more
1: uh, i have five minutes the
0: okay so um manu do you okay I'll, I'll probably allow manu you have a question make it fast please <laughs> yeah okay thank you uh
5: hi taran good evening uh, my question is, I'm um, one of the co-founders of a uh, e-commerce platform, saletrending.com, uh, which is uh, basically an omni-channel connecting local shopkeepers to the local buyer. Uh, so we are basically showing the discounts of local shopkeepers to local buyers. Uh, getting means uh, we we got uh, more than 1,000 shopkeepers on board now. Uh, now, the means uh, we are... Uh, uh, it is difficult to get uh, means audience or we can say customers on a website. Uh, I don't know where we are lacking. Uh, if you can suggest something.
1: So now Manu, uh, of course, I, I don't know the target audience that is, that's going to be using your system. Right? It is going to be users who are looking to shop around their city then what you got to look at is how do you build awareness, right? If you start city by city, look at maybe target 10 areas, look at how you can get people from those 10 areas aware about what you do. We get some local influencers to talk about your website. Go to your website and and for then walk into that store. off. Local regional influencers are extremely powerful around the area. That'll help drive traffic to your store. So I'd say local influencers, getting word of mouth, and your offers have to be strong enough and reach the local period. Maybe try, you know, the code level marketing and uh, get more people aware of, of what you guys do.
5: Then let the discount spread and, and try and increase it. Okay. Uh, we are trying. Uh, we are trying on Miss uh, Everywhere newspaper, uh, FM radio, theaters. Uh, the influencer part is remaining. I, I'll look on it. Thank you. Sir. Thank
2: you.
0: Thanks a lot. Manu, you can connect with us also later on. We can help you with a few of your go to markets as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, yeah. Thanks a lot, Manu. Kamal, please ek bar ka- Manu ko na, connect with us. Okay. Uh, Taran, uh, I think with that, I mean, I have one question, and with that, we'll probably come to a close. Uh, first of all, how was your overall experience? Has been a shorter version? Uh, of the of the podcast, but I think you know. Uh, thanks a lot for giving taking time out from your busy schedule. But how was your overall experience? Well, I just
1: love it. I, I love talking about what we've done. You wake me up from sleep. I talk about how we've built build it and what we want to do. So it's, it's it's what I love doing. So thank you so much for having me. I hope this helps. Uh, you know, a lot of upcoming founders helps in in taking the right steps and um, and then building something that's extremely large.
0: Yeah, yeah. There is one small thing which I wanted to take, uh, you spoke a lot about brand, you know. Brand, I wanted your take on brand versus business. You know, there are people who are in it for the money and there are people who want to build a brand. And many a times, people who are building a brand forget about the profitability aspect of things. Many a times, I'm just saying. So how do you how do you kind of balance and what's your take on the brand versus business aspect?
1: So it's a very difficult question to answer in two minutes. Um, now there's a couple of things to look at it, right? If you are just in it for building the business, then that's very short term. That's very transaction,
3: right? It's not going to be motivating enough for people to keep coming back and back to buy from you multiple periods in time. But if
1: you want to build an experience and you want to build a brand that people recognize, people talk about, people love, people keep coming back and back, it requires a certain amount of investment. It does take time. Now there are two very different execution styles. Some people can build brands profitably from day one some people require massive amounts of money. So like I said, there's no right or wrong way of building and executing, right? Uh, there have been stories of people raising millions of, of dollars and then building brands and people not raising any money and then going IPO as well. Right? So like I said, it depends on on how, what, and how long you want to take to build a business. Mm. Yeah.
0: We'd probably have a longer chat on this here because I think very interestingly you use the word experience, and that itself is a chapter of its own. How exactly? Because when it when it comes to D2C brands, how exactly do you bring in that experience? But I think that's a, that's a chat for another day, Taran. Uh, thanks a lot for taking time out. I think it it's it's been an immense pleasure and a learning opportunity speaking with you, Taran. And all the very best with uh, with uh, with neiman shoes. harsh i think you're late here. we are closing off taran has another meeting after this uh, but yeah now people are coming in saying that he has a question but yeah uh, taran uh, neimans is an amazing brand a uh, great job and Godspeed ahead i mean i really we really want to see uh, you know neimans to be up there amongst the likes of the nike's and the adidas's of the world um, and with time, touch wood, it will become a reality as well. You
1: said the word for us and thank you so much, guys, for having me. Hope this conversation was helpful. Appreciate it. Cheers.
0: Cheers. See you. Take care. That was the episode. Hope you got some rich insights for your idea from this. If you like the episode, do share it with your friends and rate us on Spotify, Google Store, and iTunes. If you want to join the Watercooler Podcast Live, join the club at www.thebuildersclub.me. Until next time, upwards and onwards.